0: Oh, hey, Don't Mind Me. Well, hello. Thank you for tuning in into Don't Mind Me podcast. This is Laura, your host. And today we are chatting with Renee Powers. She is just one of the biggest inspirations I have found recently because she's a feminist life coach and she does her own podcast as well from Wild Cozy Truth and she's going to share her story about navigating life changes and dealing with mental health in between Hello, Renee. Hello. Thank you so much for joining me in the studio and being so cheerful and happy. You're writing off my day already.
1: Oh, this is the <laughs> highlight of my day, too. I'm, I've decided that I'm going to take the rest of the day off because this will just, I, it can't get better. Yeah. That's a good <laughs>
0: idea. I like it. I'll take it. And, well, it's 40 in Minnesota, so mm-hmm. we, are, we are experiencing a
1: rare heat wave. <laughs> a rare heat wave, yes. Um, well, can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So my name is Renee Powers. I am a feminist life coach and host of the podcast, Wild Cozy Truth, which you can find on Apple podcasts and Google play and Spotify and I heart rate on all the things <laughs> I work with women, um, one-on-one to overcome transitions and challenges women who want to make changes in their life to just step into their life a little bit bigger. They know that they're meant for something bigger than whatever they're stuck in. And um, we work together. I I design individual programs for all my clients. And we make our lives fuller and more rich together. So it's been really, really rewarding. Um, I... I'm new to Minnesota. I just moved in November, so about 5 months ago. I'm originally from South Bend, Indiana, home of Notre Dame, and um, spent 10 years in Chicago doing grad school. I got my master's degree from Northern Illinois, and I recently dropped out of my PhD program at University of Illinois at Chicago. <laughs> so much going on. So Mm -hmm. A lot going on. I tend to, I joke that I tend to burn down my life every five years or so, and I'm (laughs) in one of those years. (laughs)
0: And do anyone.
1: Yes. I like it. So yeah, that's my
0: story in a nutshell. Wonderful. I love it. So how has owning your own business changed your life?
1: Oh my gosh. It is, um, it has surprised me in ways I was not expecting. I kind of stumbled into it out of necessity. I um I was working for an online women's wellness company and it was just me and the founder and we decided amicably, I mean when I say this, we decided to part ways, it sounds like it was catty and mean, but it wasn't at all. We just decided like, oh okay, this is the next stage of our lives and we're gonna do different things and we'll still be friends and it's wonderful. And she's one of my best friends. Um but it just came time where that business had kind of run its course. And I was becoming a little jaded Mm -hmm. (laughs) by my PhD program. It wasn't what I expected. It wasn't what I wanted anymore. So I decided to start what I called my next project, which was the Wild Cozy Truth Podcast. Um, And that's a collection of personal essays coupled with interviews with everyday women women with extraordinary stories um because i truly believe that at the core of us we're storytellers and we can learn so much by telling and listening to other women's stories no matter how small they are so that has always been i've always done a thread of that throughout my life i i remember in um college i directed i was a theater kid i directed a monologue series where women submitted stories anonymously and other women, um, perform them on stage. And it was a uh, fundraiser for the domestic violence shelter in my hometown. And it was, these kinds of things have always kind of cropped up in my life and I've stumbled into them. And wild cozy truth is another version of that, but I had gained the skills of running an online business through that previous position that I thought, okay, well, I think I can do this on my own. And that was really scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you just kind of figure it out. And I think that's what I've learned so far is each day is a new adventure and a new you, – you just become really good at creative problem solving. Yeah. And um, knowing that my mission is to amplify women's voices and learn from other women and support women – Staying true to that mission makes it easier to do the kind of administrative garbage yeah. <laughs> that require that's required to run a business. So yeah, I've learned a lot about myself and I've learned a lot about business and I'm still learning and I'm, I know I've just scratched the surface. Can you share a little bit
0: about your podcast? I know you mentioned it, the wild cozy truth, but can you share a little bit more about mm-hmm. what it's about?
1: Yeah, um, so as I mentioned, each episode begins with a personal essay, and sometimes this comes straight from my journal, um, because I want to contribute my truth, too, and so I do that through personal essays. I've always been a writer, and um, and they're not long. They're not, you know, elaborate thought pieces that you find on medium.com or something. They're, sure. they're like 500 words, you know, just whatever's on my mind that week. And some of them are more slam poetry. Some of them are more um, like scholarly critiques because that's my background as an academic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But after I share that essay, I do an interview with, gosh, I've interviewed filmmakers. I've interviewed... My friends, I, we've and we dive deep. Uh, I interviewed my mother-in-law on the very first episode, which is hilarious. <laughs> um, she's so sweet. And we dive deep. We've talked about, we've covered everything from faith and how faith and feminism work together. And we've talked about um, grief and becoming a widow or becoming an orphan or um, losing somebody close to you. But we've talked about the happy things, too, the joy of... Um, Childbirth and these unique experiences that seem very individual, but resonate on such a great level with so many women that the feedback I've gotten from it, from episodes I didn't expect, right, um, have been so, just the feedback has been so motivating to just want to continue doing it. And so if you're interested in deep stories and hard hitting questions and, you know, feminist humor, (laughs) that's, that's the place for you. And you have this uh,
0: online book club as well Mm -hmm. that I find super interesting. Can you tell me about that? Yeah.
1: It's called the wild cozy truth women's circle and book club. And we started in February of 2018, with, um, we called it Feminine February, and we were reading... I, I shared a list of um, feminist books about sensuality, sexuality, womanhood, and femininity. And it was a rousing success. So um, beginning in March, it became a membership site where we do focus on just one book. And the book for March is called Witches, Sluts, Feminists, Conjuring the Sex Positive by Kristen Soleil. And Kristen is actually... Um, going to be on my podcast next week. So I don't know when this goes up, oh, wow. but she will be, I'm talking to her on Friday and she'll, she'll her episode will be up on, on the following Wednesday. Um, she is a badass. <laughs> She's really cool. And the book is incredible. And it talks about how um, this history, especially in the U S uh, and, and a lot in um, England to medieval England, that witches have gotten such a terrible reputation, um, the Salem witch trials we learned about in school. And there's so many of us think that, you know, hundreds and hundreds of women were burned, but nobody was actually burned. Um, and only a couple dozen were executed. Not that that's better. (laughs) Anybody was executed, but it's become this cultural narrative that witches are bad, but what, but Kristen Soleil, the author posits is that witches are just pushing the boundaries of what a woman could be and embracing some of the inherent things of a woman like her intuition and her compassion and um the need to connect to something larger to yourself so anyways that's a long way of saying like the book club book this month is fantastic and i'm i'm uh encourage that future books will be just as good. And the conversation in our very private Facebook group has been top notch. People are sharing their favorite parts of the book. They're sharing how it resonates with them and getting really vulnerable and deep and asking questions about feminism and sensuality and all of these. And even like the mystic arts this month, it's been really interesting. So the book club is my little baby and I'm really, really Pleased with how it's gone so far. You know, owning a business is it's hard to launch something like this. It's a little different. Um, but the women who have joined are some of my favorite people in the world, and they're so generous with their participation and their thoughts and their just brilliant ideas. So I'm so grateful for it. Mm, I'm signing up. <laughs> sounds super (laughs) exciting it's really cool interesting it's very it's very interesting and I recognize that the books won't be for everybody every month but um you know there are options to leave and come back and (laughs) yeah
0: so how did your journey into mental health begin yeah so
1: I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder and panic disorder in 2012 the year I started my PhD program But I recognize that I've been suffering from this since at least the sixth grade. Um, I remember very distinctly having a panic attack um, at summer camp in the sixth grade. And I didn't know what it was until, you know, I was in my 20s. And it was, so that summer, summer of 2012 was the hardest summer of my life. Um, Panic manifested as full body tremors. I couldn't keep anything down. I, it, I had no appetite, and, but I knew I had to eat, and everything I ate, I would throw back up. Um, I couldn't sleep. I was basically a walking zombie. My poor husband <laughs> yeah. was, um, was my light. He was the only thing that really got me up in the morning that really took care of me when I couldn't take care of myself, <clears throat> let alone anybody else. Um, and it was a number of factors. I think that what caused it, I've been in therapy ever since and therapy is magic. <laughs> I love therapy. Got therapy. Um, I, I learned a lot about myself through that. It was really, that was my breaking point that I needed to figure some stuff out and I needed to heal a lot of really old wounds. And this comes from so much. I was sexually assaulted in my teens, which I've talked about on my podcast. Um, didn't really heal from that. So that was bubbling up in my 20s. My mother's mental health hasn't always been great. And the um, I was feeling some of the repercussions of that as well. And I, uh, I wasn't really sure where I was going and what I was doing with my life. And I was having kind of a midlife crisis or quarter life crisis, I suppose. And I needed to slow down and really focus on who I was because I didn't know what my needs are, which I still don't really know. I'm still figuring that out. That's why I'm still in therapy <laughs> and why everything was coming up to the surface at that moment. So I, um, I knew that I couldn't live in a state of panic anymore. So I did seek out therapy and, um, psychiatric treatment. So, you know, I wasn't in a psychiatric ward or anything. I wasn't committed, but I did, um, see a psychiatrist and am still on medication. Um, and I, I do wholeheartedly believe in medication for mental illness and, um, Think that the I know that the combination of that plus really intense therapy has been a lifesaver for me when I started therapy I was going three hours a week uh, I was in group therapy and individual therapy and I've taken months off here and there but I'm still you know an hour a week and it is my time to process and heal mm-hmm in ways that I don't think I would have if I hadn't sought out that space. Or how
0: would you describe your experience? Did you feel um, it was easy to seek
1: therapy? No. <laughs> <laughs> the hardest part is, I mean that's what they say, the hardest part is admitting that you need help. Mm-hmm. And I'm the kind of person that I literally don't know how to ask for help. Like, I just don't have the words in my vocabulary. And so, just, but I... I was in a university setting. So I was able to call the counseling center and get free counseling, which was so wonderful. Um, and so I just called them. I was like, I need to talk to somebody. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, And unfortunately they couldn't get me in for a few weeks, which was really scary. So that was like, Mm -hmm. seriously, a few weeks, I have to sit with this for a few more weeks, but I was grateful when I finally got in to talk to somebody and just, I think what Therapy did for me was validated everything that I was feeling. I was not alone. This was not a bad thing. This was just a part of me and we can work with it. You know, it was something that I'll never be without my anxiety, but it doesn't have to control me and it doesn't have to be my identity. It can be something that I live alongside with. And not only did I learn to accept my anxiety as a part of myself, but I learned to manage the symptoms and the underlying causes and um start to heal those really really deep old wounds, which I'm still working on. I mean, you still the further you go, the more you uncover. So I've just I've learned a lot of skills and tools that help me navigate the muck a little more quickly and you know, we were talking before we started recording that things are really hard for me right now. But what I have learned is I may have a panic attack, but I will bounce back quicker than I did six years ago. Mm-hmm. And the resiliency that therapy has taught me has been, I think, the biggest takeaway and the best gift I've ever been given.
0: hmm and how about medication? Were you always, like, um, willing to do a medication? <laughs>
1: yeah, I was, actually. Um, gosh. That's a, <laughs> that question has a, a very long answer. So <laughs> when I was in high school, um, I started having heart palpitations. And, it, I mean, looking back on it, obviously it was anxiety. And My mom has been on um, antidepressants medications for nearly all my life. And so I told her like, "Ooh, I'm getting these weird like heart flutter things." And she was like, "Okay, we'll just go to the doctor." And he the doctor was a friend of ours, and he didn't really listen to what I was saying and he just like handed me some pills. Didn't follow up with me, and so it didn't do anything really. I mean, I stopped taking it a couple months later like I don't know why. I lost my appetite. <laughs> I remember that. Like I felt all the side effects, but not the, you know, not what I needed. It wasn't what I needed. And I didn't feel listened to and I didn't feel advocated for. And I didn't know how to advocate for myself because I was like 15. Um, but I knew that that was an option. And to credit my mother, showing me that mental health is something to take care of through medication was an option, which was it was nice to grow up knowing that. Um and even one of my research papers in high school was about serotonin, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, SSRIs, so things like um Zoloft and LexaPro and Selexa, things like that. Um so I was always interested in kind of the chemical part of mental health and mental illness. So I've always been open to it. Um, yeah, but I'm not the kind of person who thinks that you can take a pill and it's cured. I do think that therapy is vital to actually creating change in your life. And when I, you know, when I got to grad school and was able to seek that kind of assistance for myself, I knew that I wanted, I I knew that I wanted some kind of medication to get me over the hump because this was really freaking hard, but um, therapy was where I needed to be because it's going to help me manage and yeah, manage and heal. Um, But I don't fault anyone for needing medication. And I am so grateful that I have that option. Um, And I don't want to be on it forever. Not because I don't think it's good. I think anybody, I mean, be on it forever if that's what you need, but I also hope that my life <laughs> will kind of settle down soon and I can slowly taper off the everyday. Um, I'm on Zoloft. The everyday Zoloft that mm-hmm. I take it would be really nice to, you know, cut that in half and then maybe come off of it eventually just to see how I do. I'm curious about that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's great to have that chemical um, insight to it. Yeah. Like, what is this doing? And I also think it's very important to make it a normal thing. Like, mom, I feel this. Um, whatever it is. And and that yeah. your mom recognized it as a thing that we need to talk to the doctor about.
1: Yeah. And unfortunately, the doctor didn't hear me, I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's the, the only thing. But that's okay. I mean, I learned, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and now that I can parent myself and advocate for myself. I know what I need a little more than what I did when I was 15.
0: Yes. So what other tools have you learned to handle your anxiety and your panic
1: attacks? hmm So one of the things that I do with Wild Cozy Truth is every Wednesday morning, I do a live Facebook video called Office Hours with Professor Powers. <laughs> <laughs> and today, in fact, I spoke about, um, how to identify your needs. And I think that's been one of the tools that has <laughs> really helped this time around when, I, when I've really been in the muck right now. I've been able to identify what it is that I really need in the moment. And, and the way to do that is first to recognize that you're in the muck and it's okay to not be okay and recognize that you're not Okay. And then the second thing is to recognize your just inherent worth and your inherent preciousness that you are a human worthy and deserving of feeling. Okay. You don't deserve feeling like crap. Um, and then the third step is to so many of us, I'm going to preface this. So many of us, us take care of everybody else. And we know exactly what that person needs mm-hmm. when they're feeling in the muck. Um, but we don't know what we need. And so the third thing third step is to ask well what would I give myself if I were someone else or if you know if if someone else were going through this what do they need and so distance yourself from that situation and take a step back and say okay well you know this person is experiencing high anxiety and panic and you know shoot for me I over schedule myself and I get really like high strung and like over functioning Mm -hmm. and I'm recovering overachiever. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, uh, by stepping back and saying like, Oh, okay. So if this was my best friend, what would she need in this moment? And by just identifying what she would need, you're also identifying what you probably need. That's been a tool (laughs) that has helped me immensely, especially this time around where I'm still really, really feeling, um, the repercussions of having moved and leaving a PhD program and starting a business and, you know, setting my life on fire, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) buying a house for the first time, you know, things have been kind of, kind of crazy. And by stepping back and and asking myself, well, what do I need or what would a person who's going through this need? I can, I, I can identify that what I need is downtime permission to be comfortable And comfort to me is big, cozy blankets, you know, oversized sweatpants, popcorn and trashy movies. (laughs) And so that's okay. It's okay to need that and giving myself permission because I am, I don't need to do all of the things and achieve all of the things and do it all perfectly and make it look effortless. I am not a human doing, I'm a human being. And right now I just need to be, and I just need to be comfortable. I honestly forgot what the question was. Did that answer it? <laughs> yes, absolutely. And like, um,
0: well, we were talking about tools and I feel like yeah. separating yourself from the situation is, mm-hmm. I love how you describe thinking about you as your best friend. Because mm-hmm. sometimes, yeah, I know what my husband needs to mm-hmm. cheer up, you know, or or to just go through this stressful time. and And also acknowledging that something is not okay and and just be okay with with happy and be okay with sad feelings as yeah. well yeah I think in this moment in life we are motivated all around to be in our happy selves and in the go-go and sometimes it is absolutely necessary to to deal with sadness or deal with the stress of moving mm-hmm. or anything like that and not even just
1: deal with it but just to sit with it, you yeah. don't have to do anything with yeah. it. Just let it be. Just be sad for a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's okay. So,
0: talking a little bit about moving, how do you feel? Moving has has affected your um, um, your mental health right now.
1: I uh, that's a really tough question because I could go either way. I don't know if I want to be all rose-colored glasses, or I try to think really positively about it. Mm-hmm. Because I do love my house, uh, we bought my husband's childhood home. And it's it's kind of wild, but it feels so good and it feels so right. And so that's where I feel really good about it. And the neighborhood is incredible, and our neighbors are just like out of a storybook, you know. We pulled up with the moving van, van and the neighbor just came over and started unloading it for us. And we were like, Are you kidding me? Does the places like this still exist? I had no idea. And, you know, the other neighbors came down with a six pack of beer to welcome us. And it was just like, this is exactly what I needed. I didn't know that neighborhoods like this exist anymore. And that has been, I think that's exactly what I needed because moving has been, always been such an emotional trigger for me. What I didn't mention was when I had that kind of (laughs) breakdown in 2012 is we had just moved and I was still settling in and I felt really unsettled. Um, But moving here, because I knew the house already, right? I had visited my in-laws there for years. Um, I knew knew Minneapolis pretty well. (laughs) Still learning it. Um, And I knew how I react to moving, that I was able to kind of brace myself for the emotional upheaval that moving requires. And it wasn't, and like I said, you learn resiliency. It wasn't as hard as last time. Um, and I think what has helped it, not only the tools that I've learned through therapy and, um, all the personal development that I've done on my end, what helped was knowing that this, I moved into a community of people that were just so welcoming and so cool. (laughs) It's a young neighborhood, lots of young couples, little kids it's a really fun neighborhood Love it where is it yeah south minneapolis oh yes
0: i love south Mm -hmm. minneapolis yep and it's growing you see more babies around
1: oh my gosh there's (laughs) a house for sale across the street and i saw a stroller after stroller yesterday and i was like bring them on (laughs) it's gonna be the fun street it's fun it's fun
0: (laughs) so what are you most proud of in in this journey oof
1: what am i most proud of I think what I'm most proud of is my consistency. I've got this drive to amplify women's voices and stories. And I'm really proud that that thread has continued from my teens into today. And I'm still reminded of different ways that it has bubbled up. I have an episode of Wild Cozy Truth coming up in a couple weeks with my friend Lacey and Lacey and I know each other through blogging back in the early two thousands. And she reminded me, it was so funny. She was like, I invited her on the podcast and said, you know, what do you want to talk about? And she said, well, I want to, I think what I want to talk about is that, um, that blog post that I wrote for you, that blog post that I wrote about my abusive relationship. And I was like, Oh, okay. Can you link me to that blog post? And she goes, it's on your old blog. Like, do you remember you did this series of women's stories? And I was like, wow, (laughs) Nope. (laughs) I forgot that I had done that. Um, so the, I, I've had this commitment to shining the light on places that hurt, that are not often out that we don't wear on our sleeves um, and especially for women, I think it's really important that we recognize we don't have to be perfect all the time. And sometimes it's really hard. And by sharing that, we, we connect and we feel a little less alone. And so I think I'm most proud of that's been my mission when I didn't even know it was my mission.
0: That's a great mission. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we can empower it through storytelling. Mm-hmm. And how do you canalize your energy? I nap.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to my pillow. Uh-huh. I am. Um, I mean, that's so true. Is. Yeah. I know that I do not do well on five hours of sleep. I need at least seven and a half. Or I am a zombie. And so in order to have the energy to do all the things that I want to do, I know I need my sleep. <laughs> and if I don't get it, I will take, I call them a powers nap because my last name is Powers. <laughs> Power Snap. (laughs) Yeah. And how about keeping yourself
0: upbeat? Is that something you try to do?
1: Yeah, I do. I try to stay positive. I do think that that staying positive is really important, and positive things happen when you're positive. That doesn't mean that I block out the ugly feelings or don't recognize all of the hurt in the world. Um, But I can do what I can to make my day and the people around me a little less sad. I don't want to say happier because I don't think happy is the key. I think real is the key and real can be positive. Mm -hmm. It doesn't always have to be negative. So yeah, I, I do like to stay positive and I do that through good music and, and good books, and sharing love and affection with everybody in my life, and knowing that I've got this deep knowing that things are gonna be okay. And that helps me stay positive, too. What is something you would like your 20-year-old self to know? Oh my God. Let's see, 20. Mm, I met my husband at age 20. Oh. (laughs) I know, we were babies. And I also, so when I turned 20, I turned 20 in Cologne, Germany, I was studying abroad Oh dear. and it was spring break and they kicked us out of our hostel over spring break because I was studying abroad in Rome and Easter was a big time for Rome and they could make more money than the study abroad students. So I decided to take a solo backpacking trip across Europe and I knew that I could spend my birthday anywhere. So I wanted to go to a chocolate factory. <laughs> oh, wow. And so I spent my 20th birthday at a chocolate factory in Cologne, Germany. And <laughs> um, what, you know, I felt like I really knew who I was in that moment. But I think what I would tell myself is, you're not done. And in fact, your story is just beginning. And I would also tell myself that I don't have to look good on paper. That was, I went to a lot of places and did a lot of things and achieved a lot of things to get one more line on my CV or one more entry on my resume or one more publication. That doesn't mean anything. And having a story just to say you did something, like just to say that I went to a Chocolate factory on my twentieth birthday in Germany. Like, that's. I mean, I genuinely wanted to do that. <laughs> that was like an authentic thing I wanted to do. But I don't have to do things, dear twenty-year-old Renee. You don't have to do things just to say you did them. You do things because you actually authentically want to do them. I like going to a chocolate factory. That's a pretty awesome story. I mean, it was pretty great.
0: <laughs> How do you say chocolate in
1: German? <laughs> mm-hmm. I think chocolate. Oh. I think it is. I don't know. I don't speak, I speak Italian. I don't speak German, so. <laughs> How about in, in chocolate?
0: In chocolate. Very right? mm-hmm. nice no, Spanish. Mm-hmm. Chocolate. Mm-hmm. I like it. No, I love that, that message. Now, what is the favorite part of your everyday?
1: My cup of coffee in the morning. Yes. High five. High five. <laughs> <laughs> no, but really, that's, I, I'm really a big advocate of having something that anchors you every day and my cup of coffee and it's not about the caffeine it's about the ritual and i i mean i could switch to decaf if i wanted to but you get more variety in the caffeinated version so i like trying different chocolate or different chocolates <laughs> different coffees so yeah that cup of coffee first thing in the morning is so soothing to me
0: absolutely i think there is
1: um, something about the ritual mm-hmm. and holding something warm in your house. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. even when like it's hot out I still have my mm-hmm. warm cup of coffee and if I'm traveling first thing I do when I get up is go find a coffee shop <laughs>
0: <laughs> how has your
1: journey impacted
0: your friends and your family
1: I'm lucky that my my dad is really supportive he, when I told him like uh so I dropped out of my PhD program and I'm starting my own business he was like oh well I'm a little disappointed but I trust that you're gonna do what you need to do and I was like yep I am that's exactly what I needed to hear thank you um my my husband is an angel <laughs> he's literally the best person I know and he makes me want to be a better person every day what is his name his name's Joe Thank you, Joe. Thanks, Joe. (laughs) So he's been nothing but supportive every step and believes in me so fiercely that it makes me believe in myself. And my friends, I think my friends just get a kick out of whatever I'm going to do next. Like They're just like, yeah, it's Renee. She does what she wants. (laughs) Which are the best kinds of friends to have. They were really proud when I dropped out. I'm thinking of my best friend, Jenny, who um, I've known since I was 18. She... (laughs) <laughs> when I told her like, I think I'm gonna drop out of my program this week. <laughs> she was like, Yeah, I think you needed to do that like three years ago. <laughs> uh, well, <thank laughs> but you okay. needed to come <laughs> to that on your own time. So um yeah, my my friends and family have been have been really, really lucky. They've been really great. It's good to surround yourself with
0: people that know you and that won't be checked when you're like, Well, this is what I'm doing now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) I just come to expect it like you said you you like to say that you burn your life uh, every five years Uh I like that
1: Uh so what made you move to Minnesota again? Um, we were just ready to settle down Uh and Chicago is way too expensive to to buy a house Um, the house that we live in probably would have been like a $700,000 house in the neighborhood we were in it was just unfreaking real Uh, And it's like a little, you know, two and a half bedroom house. (laughs) Um, Yeah. uh, And it just, it was the right time. My in-laws were moving into a retirement community and the house was going to be empty. And they asked us if we would like to buy it from them. And so, you know, yes, we got a family discount, but (laughs) we are still paying a mortgage and, it was just, we were just really itching to own some property, and now we do. And it's really, I don't know, it's what we've been wanting for years. And so it was just the right time to come. And the Twin Cities is amazing. It is. Everyone should live here.
0: Everyone, no, don't tell people that. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, no.
1: No, there's no, there's no more room. It's, there's <laughs> no more room slash we can still find parking. Once we can't find parking, then it becomes a problem. (laughs) There you go. Well, since I'm not
0: originally from the Twin Cities, I like to tell other people, yeah, you can do it. Let's come over here. If I were a true Minnesota, I'd be like, leave my backyard now.
1: (laughs) That's how everybody was during (laughs) the Super Bowl. Get out of here. (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious.
0: Well, we are nearly the end of the interview. I just wanted to ask about This is going to be a hard one for you. Three favorite books or three
1: favorite podcasts, or both, that you want to share with everybody. Yeah. Okay. So my favorite book that I recommend to everyone in the personal development space, and if you haven't read it, you need to, it is called Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. Um, She is, you know, kind of the foremother of vulnerability work and courage work in the personal development world. And I would also recommend... And this is, this one's kind of dated now. Um, but it really changed my life when I read it in college. It's a book called Perfect Girls, Starving Daughters. And it's about... The author is Courtney E. Martin. And it's about the uh, epidemic of eating disorders. And I've never, luckily, gratefully, never... Um, struggled with any kind of disordered eating. However, I have struggled, like many women, with feeling like my body isn't perfect and therefore I'm not perfect. So that book, for women especially, and young women especially, I would say like late teens, early to mid-twenties, is a very powerful book for reconfiguring the way that you think about yourself, your body, and the energy that you spend on trying to be and appear perfect. And then a podcast, let's see. So yeah, I'm gonna do two books and a podcast because That's that feels awesome. good. Yeah. Um, podcast that I love is Tiffany Han's podcast, um, Raise Your Hand, Say Yes with Tiffany Hahn. I think she is just so cool. <laughs> And it's a podcast for creative entrepreneurs, but she has a lot of guests that run the gamut, you know, feminist guests and creative guests and artists and healers. And, um, and she's really relatable. I, I really admire her. So that's a good, that's a good podcast.
0: I'm going to check it out. Mm -hmm. I haven't heard of that one. Mm -hmm. Oh, Renee, thank you so much for your time and your beautiful laugh. (laughs) (laughs) I could hear you laughing all day. (laughs) uh no and your wonderful inside you share uh, your story with such um from such a calm space and it's very inspiring and i love all the tools that you were able to share with us
1: oh thank, thank you for you. letting me share that with your audience it means the world to me i'm so glad that we connected
0: yes me too thank you thank you everybody and don't move to the Twin Just Don't kidding. move
1: to the Twin <laughs> <laughs> Stay out of my backyard. <laughs>